1: Hey guys, welcome back to Training for Manhood. This is Dan Panetti, and I've got two of the boys with me, uh, Preston and Parker. Thank you guys for taking um, a little time out of your day to have a conversation. Um, it was kind of kind of interesting. It's uh, you know we're in the middle of a lot of different sports right now. Um, you know, just was at a, a men's conference and uh, Evan Carter spoke. He's uh, he was on that um, World Series. Um, Texas Rangers, you know, shout out to the Rangers. Uh, great job, guys, for winning the World Series. Um, but you know, basketball, football, um, all these different things are going on right now. And uh, and I was just thinking about the whole idea of uh, of what does it mean to be a winner, um, and just kind of that that tagline. And, and you know, oftentimes we think about things from a sports perspective, and it's interesting because you uh, you read through Scripture, and uh, and Paul actually um, uses. Um, kind of the reference in terms of uh, what does it mean to be um, a Christian? And he compares you um, uh, to uh, an athlete several times. Uh, he compares you to a farmer. He compares you to a soldier. Um, and, you know, just things that are kind of common concepts for people to kind of say, yeah, that's, that's what it means. That's what it takes. And so um, as you're looking at, right, all these different, um, you know, push towards the championships and teams that win and teams that lose, Um, I just wanted to kind of have a a conversation uh, with, you know, two of my boys about what what does it mean to be a winner? Uh, Because I think in life, right, we want to be winners. And so, um, you know, the the idea is uh, if you you win at something, um, you want it to be worth your investment, right? You want it to be uh, worth your time. And so um, I I wanted to go to um, a verse. uh, It's found in Mark uh, chapter 8. Uh, and, uh, and it's Jesus talking to his disciples. And he says this, he says, uh, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And so Jesus, as he's talking to the disciples, he gives them kind of a, a different um a different paradigm, a different narrative, a different definition of what it means to be a winner, what it means to be successful. And what he's saying is, um, even if you won at everything that the world has to offer, but you lost at what God has to offer, you're not a winner. But if you win at what God has to offer, even if you lose at everything the world has, Right then, you are a winner, and so I I just you know I think about that concept as we watch so many people that they're going to celebrate victories in things that are temporal. Um, How do we get people to focus on um, the greatest game that they're in, and that's the game of life, um, and to ask the question: Are they winning at that particular game? And so you guys, you guys are young, um, and I know it's you know you're in your 20s, and I, I know it's you know you don't think about. Um, things in terms of like, you know, the end of your life coming up soon. But this 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 verse is a very important verse, right, to kind of evaluate that concept of what's your life going to be worth. Are you going to, at the end of your life, however long it is, are you going to be a winner or are you going to be a loser? And so when you when you read that and we talk about these things in terms of like life, what, what comes to mind for you guys? Um, if somebody said, um, hey, you know, are, are you winning in life? Are you a winner? How would you guys respond to that?
2: I think first when we think about winning or, like, games in general or competition or winning and losing, I think you have to look at both, yeah. right? It's not just winning but winning and losing. I think of three Ps. I gives me more Panetti, so I might as well make some yeah, Ps. Go with the Ps, yes. Um, I think of first, it's stage okay. one is, like, planning or preparation. Okay. Sta- stage two is practice. and stage three is just playing. Yep. Yeah. So I think, you know, stage one to, like, start off is that planning or preparation period is first saying, hey, like, in the future, right, like, what determines success, Yeah, right? So, um, like, we just watched NFL playoff game, right? And so before you, you know, play the game and before you practice, right, you have to plan, hey, how are we going to attack this season, attack this team, right, schedule out those things so that we can better ourselves and then we can execute what we put into practice. But I think with planning about being you know, if our future self is what determines success when we're 75 years old. When we look back and say, Hey, was I winning in life? Am I winning in life? Did I win throughout my life? I think the first thing is like, Hey, what determines success? Cause we don't know what determines success. We can't work towards being a winner, kind of going back to like the, I know it seems like so basic. And so I think first thing is and I, like for us, like I don't want to give like what the answer is to it, but you know, one of those things is, is my walk with Christ glorifying of him and sacrificial of myself that's one thing i think of of that means i was successful in life
1: yeah i, I think it goes back to i mean just the, the whole idea of um like every team when they go into a game they have a game plan right right so they've, they they've you know they've practiced they've prepared you know they've laid it out but they have a, they have a game plan for what they're wanting to do um and then when you get in the game you, you make adjustments to it right and you're like okay this is successful let's go on this this is not successful let's go on that Right. But the whole idea is, I mean, everybody has to have a game plan, right? You, you look at your talents, your strengths, your abilities, you look at your weaknesses, you evaluate the other teams, right? And you, you put together a plan, right? And and I think, you know, the, the better coaches um, aren't just guys with better players all the time, right? Better athletes all the time. Um, but they're guys who have a, a plan that they take into consideration, right? What what are the things that we need to stay away from? What are the things that we need to, you know, uh, go towards? Uh, and, and they try to get their guys to buy into that system and then execute that. I remember um, it was Tom Landry had a quote talking about, you know, uh, you know, what, what does it mean to be a successful coach? And his, his thing was, um, you know, my job is to get a group of men to do things that they don't want to do to achieve things that they wanted to, to achieve. Right. And it, that's the concept, right? Is at the end of the day, if you want to be a victor, right, then these are the things that you have to do to get there. Uh, and sports have a game plan. And I think the question is, is in life, do you have a game plan in life? Do you have a plan if you say, Hey, listen, uh, when they lay me in the grave at, and let's just say you're going to be old, right? You know, you're, you're, whatever age you're old, they're laying you in the grave. Um, did you have a game plan for life? Did you execute that game plan? Well, and, and right at the end, would you say, yeah, like that, that was, that was a good game plan for doing life well.
3: So like you talking about the execution of a game plan mm-hmm. kind of reminds me like with coaching and staying on the aspect of sports, you, you, you can have your plan out there, but until you get out there, there's, I mean, you, you, they talk about the first and second half adjustments. Yes. So what are the things that you adjust to? Cause maybe you come out there and it's just not working. Yeah. And so, and maybe you, you do get that little 30 minute break or that whatever time to kind of go, um, figure out what what's working, what's not working. And I think that's the same with life. In life, you get these moments where, hey, you know what? Life's not going well. And sometimes you just got to take a chance to look back. I always like going a little bit off sports, going back to the, the start of the year. You got your word for the year. You got your goals that you're going to throw out there. And in the first few weeks, you're already like, man, I can't do most of these. And so then you kind of look at it. You're know, like, I'm going to make adjustments of what I think will be best for me. Um, but when we're talking about winning, like the winning the goal of life is not just about success, um and like the worldly standards, it's about doing things that are actually going to further God's kingdom. And so if your goals in life are all about you, then you're I mean, you're not winning in a kingdom mindset, you're winning in a physical aspect. Yeah, and so that's good. So
2: like yeah, like what Preston's like, like if you don't have your goals at the beginning of the year, You're technically going to fail at them because you don't don't have have, them set right. So if you don't have a game plan, like if the person, if you were to ask, like if a person as they're dying, and say they never had a plan of how to be successful in life, they probably weren't successful in life because there was never a bar or there a plan to like determine that or base that off of. And the great, you know, without a plan or without a vision, you know, people perish. Whatever that quote is. Yep. Um, And so I think. You know, It's kind of a cheap answer to, to your very initial question of what makes someone winning. I think it first starts with if, if you have a plan or not, or if you have even asking the question of what counts as winning, what counts as success. If you're not asking that, you're probably losing right off the bat.
1: Totally. Right. And then and this is a great time, right? Start of the year again, right? Great time to, to sit and think about what do I want this year to be about? What do I want my life to be about? I, I think about this, though. It, it reminds me of the, uh, the Mike Tyson quote. Um, and he's like, you know, everybody has a plan, right? Until you get in the ring and, and you get hit, mm-hmm. right? And then basically, now you got to fight, right? You got you got a plan, you got a preparation, but here's the deal: once you're in the ring, right? Now now you have to execute on that plan. You got you got to fight, and it's, it's just like once you get hit in the mouth, right? You you got to come out swinging because it doesn't that's really matter where, what your plan is.
2: That's where the middle practice comes in, exactly. So when um, like every football team has a two minute drill, yep. where are they like if there was two minutes left in the game and we had no timeouts. This is how we would execute in that situation right. where we have a live defense and we're running plays where our plan is this, yep. right? But our defense is doing their best to stop us, but it isn't real life. So we have a, a middle period of our plan, like, is X, Y, and Z. But in the future, we also know that someone's goal in life, in a, in a sports realm is the opponent's, right, yep. or – yeah. Um, it's to stop you from executing right, stop you from executing the plan. Yeah. in the spiritual world, we have that exact same thing in Satan, right? In his in his like demons in the
1: spiritual well, world. And, well, okay, so you got and I mean, people, and well, you have Scripture talks about right. You have your own flesh. Oh yeah, working you tell against yourself you. too. Right? Yeah. you've got you've got the world working against God's economy, right? And then you've got an enemy, right? And do you take into account those things when you're trying to execute your plan to have a life that is that is worthy and significant? And I think that that first question is, well, what is your plan? And then, right, how do you take into account those things that are going to be working against you? And then how do you execute? I, I go back to um, one of my favorite verses uh, is in Matthew chapter 7. It talks about the two men who build the houses, right? And, you know, you're, you're super familiar with this, right? You know, uh, Jesus says, right, everyone who hears these words of mine um, and does them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock, right? The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock, and everyone who hears the words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew, beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And people have often talked about this this idea of the house as a metaphor for your life. Right? What do you, What are you going to build your life on? Now, here's the deal. Both men in this story have built a life. The unfortunate thing is you don't really know the value of that life, the value of that house until the storms come, right? And when the storms come, then you see, right, what was my goal? Was my goal building a house or was my goal building a house that lasted, that withstood the storms? And and if your goal is to just be successful by the world standards, right, may, maybe you achieve those things. But when they put you in a grave and they lay you down and you stand before God and he's like, hey, Right? What did you do with what I told you? And you're like, nothing. I, I was su- super successful in life. If you go down and look, right? I've got buildings named after me. I got streets named after me. I got all these different things that I achieved, but you didn't pay attention to the great game of life that was going on. The the the, the game between good and evil, the the game that took into account, right? your sin and 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 accounted for it, right? Then you missed the whole thing. And so I think this is a great reminder Right, in the in the midst of all the different games that are going on and all the different championships that we're gonna watch and all the different things that are going into it, right, I think to me it's a reminder to ask the question of what are you really preparing to be a winner at? Are you executing that plan to be a winner? And then if you win it, have you actually achieved the one thing that's worth achieving? Impressing.
3: One of the things I go back to st- sticking on the sports thing is the Gravedigger play with Alabama. Oh yeah, and how it's the fourth down and thirty three from the f- yeah. uh, yards. Yeah. Yeah. Who's got a fourth and thirty three play? Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> and and then they go back after the game and they're like, well, w- what was that play? Like, no, we had we a, a play, play, and it's called Gravedigger. Yep. And it, and what's cool about it is it happens to be Alabama who is the epitome of success in college football and around the world and saving. And and the coolest thing is they know how to win. Yeah, And you can can come in on one of your worst days, but you've been so used to victory because you've been given the keys to success. And I think in our lives, we've been given the keys to success. So there are going to be days when, you know what? We just had a really bad day at work. You know what? We just had – a loved one passed away, and we're just angry. Yeah. But we've been given the keys to s- success and know that this is not our temporal home. Or sorry, this is not our home. Our home is in heaven. Um, and for now, our 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 job is to go out there and live every day as if we are in heaven right now and to go out and spread the good news. But when we do run into those roadblocks, we already know that, hey, you know what? We've already been given the game plan of we what we know what will happen. And so I think when, when, when they uh, talked about that play is like, who can prepare for that kind of thing? The person that understands that's been through so much in their life right. that they have to p- prepare for that kind
1: right. of thing. Well, that's why, I mean, you know, Matthew seven, when it talks about, um, you know, whoever hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the uh, sand. The rain fell, the floods came. It doesn't say if the rains fell, right. And if the flood comes, it says, the rains fell, the floods came. So if your life is not prepared for the adversity that this life is going to bring you, um, then your life is going to fall apart, mm-hmm. right? If your life is not built on something that's eternal, then your temporary things that it's built on will all be washed away. And I think that's that's the concept for a young man to really begin to wrestle with that idea um, is how many how many men do you know around you... That have a life that's built on something that's um, worthy of building a life upon right how many men are you listening to how many guys are you paying attention to how many people are investing into your life um, that are living a life that is meaningful and significant from an eternal perspective and I think the you know the, the concept is um, if if you're spending all of your time you know watching temporal things reading temporal things um, You know, having guys who are your heroes that are successful in temporal things, but you don't have anything that's eternal, right? Then you're setting yourself up, right, to be the guy who built his house on the sand. It temporarily looks good, but when the world comes against it, it's going to fall. And my thing is, I just, I don't want people to be in that situation. I don't want people to be uh, 35, right? And their life falling around or, you know, life falling apart around them. And they're going, what, what do I do, right? 45, right? 75. And they look back and they go, wow, you know, look at all the things that I built that are now worthless. But, you know, I, I don't want people not to have a life that's built on something that's going to sustain them, right? And that the rock in the in the description, right? The rock itself right, is Jesus Christ. He is referred to in scripture often as the rock. So when it says build your life, build your house upon the rock, it's not telling you um, build your life on a strong foundation. It's telling you to build your life on the only foundation that is eternal, and that is Jesus Christ. And and what, it, what does that mean? What does that look like, right? That's the game plan you got to put together. Then in practice, you actually have to do it, and then you have to actually, act, you know, go and, and live it out and, and keep on doing it.
3: But look at some of the most successful people by worldly standards. I mean, go look at Tom Brady, who finally retired. And, I mean, he absolutely needs football. And look at some of the people in business world and celebrities. And now that they're kind of gone away from it, they're just like, you know what? There's no satisfaction. Right. The people that have yeah. all the money in the world, what I mean, what's a little bit more money for them? It's nothing. And they can't find the actual meaning to the reason that they're here. And
1: it's because all these things are going to be gone. So if you have an, you know, I mean, this Blaise Pascal concept, right? If you have an eternal void in your life, the only thing that will fill it is something eternal. Okay. And so if you try to fill it with temporary things, temporary successes, as much as you can stack up of temporary successes and, and success in the world from the world standards, it's never going to fill a void. That's eternal. The only thing that can fill it, Right is something that's eternal, which is Jesus Christ, and so you have to you have to be able to evaluate your own reality and say, Hey, listen, if I'm just an accident that got here from evolution, um, that when I die I go back to dust, right? I have no meaning, I have no significance. Um, I try to create that meaning and significance for the little bit of a time that I you know take up on this earth, right? Well, then yeah, I mean you know then do the best you can with what you've been given, but if that's the reality in which you're living right you came from nothing you're going to nothing your life will be worth nothing then then you know when you try to fill it with something right it's not going to work anyway do the best you can but if you came from an eternal mind right that you came from the mind of god you're going to be an eternal being right then this time that you're down here needs to have eternal significance and weight and meaning right and trying to fill it with temporary successes and temporary victories and you know temporary trophies um, is not going to satisfy the eternal longing of your heart because that's, right, that's the God-shaped vacuum that you have in your life. And I think a lot of people try to suppress that and try to push it down um, and try not to listen to it, but I'm going to tell you that everybody knows internally that there's something greater and more significant in life than just them trying to achieve one more small thing, one more small victory along the way, win, winning one more game. Because here's the deal, when they do, when they win the game, they know it hasn't filled them. Yeah, cuz they're like they're on to next. Year. Right. Then what? Yeah, then what's next? And and if if you can say that, then what's next and what's next and what's next, then you haven't filled that void. Mm-hmm. But when you have that relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't ask then what's next. Right? You're you're waiting to get home, right? To see him face to face cuz that's the only what's next that actually makes sense right is to be free from this sinful body to be free from this fallen world to be home at home in heaven. So what would you say to a young guy, right? You're sitting around talking to young guys. What would you say to a young guy who's, you know, 22, 23, 24 years old, he's trying to start off life, he's trying to be successful. How do you how do you shift from the world's focus and perspective on these are the things that are important. You got to go out, and you got to make a living, you got to make money, right? You got to get married, have kids, right? You got I mean those things are not they're not bad. But they're not the most important question. What would you say to a young guy? So
2: I, I go straight into let's be practical. Okay. Okay. So if we have our, our planning period, our practice period, and our playing period, let's start with planning period, is first let's analyze what's our goal. Right. Football. Our goal is to win the Super Bowl. Yep. Right. So if that's the goal, we have to look at what everything else that's not our goal, that's a distraction. For a believer, right. my goal is to be most satisfied in Christ. Right, And to be most like Christ right. in terms of sanctification. Right. So what are those so things that we're
1: finding satisfica- satisfaction in that aren't Christ?
2: Right. What are those things that are, we are choosing over Christ? Yep. And what are our weaknesses that are not only that are we going to, but are keeping us from going to Christ? Right. So like analyzing that, like, hey, like I have a weakness in this area, right? And I have a tendency to spend time more in this area than I do with God. Yep. Right? I have a tendency to desire this it may not be a bad thing, right but it it could be something that's different than what god has for me right um and so like i think first is like looking at like a self analyzing like hey where am i at right is my goal ultimate satisfaction in christ and ultimate right like goal of sanctification in christ okay, if it's not easy step right like fix that as the title of your presentation uh, that's my goal then second let's look at okay where am i bent to desire satisfaction or gratification right in the world right in myself and other people, and then where am I wanting to spend more time in that 's not spending God's worth? you know, you know it
1: 's interesting one of the things that comes up often when I talk to people um, is people will realize that one of the one of the common bents um, is what people call i 'm a people pleaser right like I, I know that i shouldn 't do that but i 'm a people pleaser right and and, and we give ourselves permission. To be bent in a way that isn't what's best for us, but we don't do anything about it, right? Where I'm, I'm just a people pleaser. I know I shouldn't do that, um, but that that's just who I am. But the reality is, is like if you were going into a game, and you're like, hey, hey, we're just, you know, we're just a running team, right? And they they're stacking the box, and you're like, you got to pass, like you have to make adjustments based on what you see the enemy doing, right? right? And so if, if you get a person who's a people pleaser, right, and I'm the enemy coaching against you, then I'm going to give you ample opportunities to be in front of people and for people to give you applause so that you never have to get the applause of God because you're always hearing the applause of man. Does that make sense? Like those, those kind of things, I think that's where, you know, being smart about assessing yourself your strengths and your weaknesses, and then maybe having some older people around you that can help you and say, "Hey, listen, here's where I struggle uh, with really being able to live a life that's meaningful and significant um, and a life for God." Because that, you know, the, the verse I read earlier in, in Mark eight, um, Jesus talks about, "You've got to pick up your cross and follow me." That means you've got to die to yourself. That means whatever it is that keeps you from experiencing God at His greatest you've got to get rid of that. So if it's people pleasing, you've got to say, listen, I live before an audience of one. It doesn't matter what everybody thinks of me. Even if it costs me, I'm willing to do the right thing. Even if people don't like me because of that thing that I'm doing. And I think that, can I tell you, that's a really hard thing, especially for for your generation where so much of what you do is seen by so many people, right? I mean, when, when social media came out and, you know, People online were called friends and if they liked your post, they give you a thumbs up. I mean, the whole thing is set up so that people who, you know, want to be people pleasers, it's like, oh look, I've got, you know, four thousand friends and look, I got eight thousand likes and look right and it's just like that's a hard thing to say, yeah, that doesn't matter to me. I live before an audience of one. What what does God think of me? that's the only thing that matters to me and i think it's it's hard for your generation i think it's hard for everybody but i think it's especially hard for your generation that so much of what you see and evaluate yourself in is based on a system that's set up right to to give you The time and the attention, the affirmation, the affection, right, that's meant to come from God, you're getting it from things of the world that are temporary.
3: So I think another thing about a victor, if maybe you are looking at yourself like how Parker was talking about those three Ps, and maybe you notice that right now your life isn't that. Yeah. A a good thing is to look for somebody whose life is. Perfect. And so one thing I was. You look in
1: the mirror and you say, hey, I'm not there. But, so find, who, find but, somebody. but who is, right. and I think a really big
3: characteristic of a victor is somebody that, first of all, if you can just, I mean, you all of a sudden, like he's clearly doing it right. I think the biggest thing about a victor is even when things are going bad, even when things are going hard, you can just tell that their their joy is not in their sport, totally. whatever their business yeah. is, whatever it is, it's it's found in the Lord. And I think that's the coolest thing. I mean, um, it was cool when uh, after Michigan won, or sorry, the Ravens won and John Harbaugh. Yeah. I guess his brother did too. But John Harbaugh went up there and he talked about, uh, in First Chronicles, just talking about his faith. And I mean, even C.J. Stroud came out and talked about his faith and he gets silenced. But that's not going to stop him because right. his thing is that, oh, you know what, you're a rookie, you shouldn't have been able to do this. His thing is, you know what, I I was given these talents by God. I'm going to go out there and do everything with the talents. And you know what, his season's over, but you know what, he's still praising the person that gave him those talents. So he's a
1: winner even though he lost. Even though he lost. Which which is crazy. And some people are losers, I hate to say this, right, but some people are losers even after they won. Even after they won. Because they won the game, but they lost in life, Mm -hmm. right? C.J. Stroud is a winner, even though the scoreboard he didn't have as many points as the other term right that guy was was a winner and you watched him go out there and use the gifts and the talents and the abilities that God gave him and he gave credit right to the audience in which he's trying to trying to please it reminds me of and this is one of my favorite verses it's uh it's habakkuk right habakkuk um, cries out to god you know hey god pay attention um things aren't going well here um your people are crying out you know bad things are happening and and god says to him hey um don't worry i got a plan um i'm going to bring down this nation you know they're going to take you captive um and basically it's like whoa, whoa no like We're not doing well. We need you to free us. We need you to, you know, come in here and help us. And God, you know, basically is giving him a a 180 on what he thinks should happen. Um, And so he goes through here. And at the end, this is what Habakkuk writes. He goes, though the fig uh, tree should not blossom, the fruit uh, beyond the vines, um, or nor the fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield yield no uh, food. The flock will be cut off from the fold and there will be no herd in the stalls. And so he basically, it's like, you know, I lost the game. Right? We just got trounced by the opposing team, you know, 45 to nothing, right? And he's like, and you're like, yeah, that, that's terrible, right? And he goes, well, hang on. He goes, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on the high places. And so what, what Habakkuk is saying is, right, victory comes from the Lord, right? That, that's what victory is. Victory comes from the Lord. So what it looks like, it may be a defeat. It's like, that's not a defeat, right? A defeat at the hands of the world is not a defeat. My victory comes from knowing the Lord because he is the one who is the victor. So here's the thing. Your, your thought was, listen, if life isn't going well right now, if you can look in the mirror and you go, hey, I'm not doing that, right? And you want to find a person who's doing life well, scripture will tell you that person is Jesus, Right. Right. Now you may find, you know, you may look around and say, oh, hey, look, there, there's Preston, and he's doing life well, and he's got joy even in the midst of trials and hardship. Totally. That's great. Right. But I'm going to tell you when you find that person, they're going to point you to Jesus. Right. Paul is going to tell you, hey, follow me because I'm following Jesus. So I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, if you want to be victorious in life, you have to follow the only person who's defeated. The greatest enemies that we have, and that's sin and death. It's their mentor. Exactly. It's the person that they go to for for everything. So Jesus is the one we need, to, we need to pay attention to and follow. That would be the the plan for them. Any other words of wisdom for the young guys?
3: Yeah, so
2: I'm very steps-oriented. I think that really helps. Um, I've kind of taken what we've said, add a little bit to it, and kind of make it step-by-step. Step. I think the order, you can kind of switch things to make it make sense. Okay. But I kind of put it into eight steps to where – of success of how to start. So first one is setting correct goals. Right? Yep. We're talk about where that is. Yep. Two is you're evaluating yourself, where right. you're at, where your weakness is. Yep. Three is growing your heart, mind, and strength. Like you said, when we're looking for wise counsel and accountability in a community, don't look for that without first looking to Christ. Yep. And thankfully, and hopefully those people will be doing that for you or be helping you push there. But I think first growing your own heart, mind, and strength. Fourth, I have building strong community. Fifth, inviting wise counsel. Yep. I think those can be interchangeable based on your season of life or your where you're at. Um, sixth, I have discipling younger believers. Seventh, reaching lost people. And then eight is expanding your heart, mind, and strength to where you multiply all those things. Yeah. I think that is a key plan for success. Yep. And then as you practice those things, right, you get to fix each step. Right, You get to fix step. Evaluating yourself again, making sure your goals are set correctly, making sure your heart, mind, and strength is to God, not in, in a sense of legalism where you are bound to doing just read God's word and pray because you have to. Yeah. And then it fixes why you have communion and what your community looks like. It fixes right your wise counsel and who you have pouring into you. It Fixes who you are pouring into and what you are saying to them, and make sure that you are pouring and looking for lost people to share the gospel with them. And so, I think it's that that continual cycle of success or winning right comes from those steps. That's how. At least that's how my yeah, my, and then
0: my works. doing
1: them over and over, over again, again, right? Right, which you have that you know that that long obedience, right? That Eugene Peterson concept, right? You don't just do it once, right. right? But you do it over and over and over again, and hopefully you get better and better and better, deeper and deeper and deeper, right? Christ becomes greater and greater and greater, as John would say, right? He must increase so that I decrease, or I must decrease so that he increases, right? And the and the the walk that you have in doing those things. Right becomes less about you doing them and more about you abiding in Christ so that He can do them through you.
3: But I think obviously all of us want to be victors. I yes. think the hardest thing is just being honest with yourself. Yes, I think the the crazy thing about a victory, a lot of the times the game can be going one way, and all of a sudden it takes one little fumble, it takes one little right. one little things, it takes one little thing for you not to be honest with yourself. Those eight steps Parker gave, it takes one thing yep. for it to completely go and just gone. And so, and that's one th-
1: of the great things about grace, yes, mm-hmm. because we are not going to be the victor. Christ is the victor, right? We rest in His victory, and so it's it's kind of a weird thing. And I know, you know, when you, when you say this, right? But we're we're fighting from victory. We're not fighting for victory, right? right? The victory's already been won, um, and if you know the victory's already been won, right, then you don't you don't rest. You go take the land that's been given to you, right? You go you go do the work that's been done for you. Um, because now you can walk it out knowing that, yeah, when I, when I make the missteps, right, the grace puts me back on, right. But the grace also protects me from making the missteps, uh, as well. And so, um, you know, the, the, the joy of walking from victory and living from victory, um, is that, you know, you don't, you don't have to, um, the, the failures can be failures that you fall forward. Right, you can learn from them, and you can grow from them. They don't have to take you out of the game.
3: So, I think the last characteristic of a victor is that they celebrate, Mm. Um, and I think that's cool that we get to celebrate the fact that we are victors because Christ has already been victorious over sin and death, and we one day will be. We'll be in heaven with Him, but we get to start to be. um, We get to praise Him now and um,
1: tell everybody about
3: how victorious he is and how you can be a part of it.
1: And it's funny because we were just watching a game the other day, a basketball game and, um, you know, UT won, and it was a last second shot and we were all watching it. We celebrated, right. We were, you know, yelling and screaming. Um, and that's, that's one of the fun things about celebrating the victories. And I think, you know, we need to do that in our own life when we celebrate the victories of the, um, the things that God does in our life, um, that, um, that draw us closer to him, that make us more like him. But I'm telling you, when you move from dark to light, when you move from death to life, we need to celebrate the new lives um, that when people um, see and understand and have that self-awareness that I'm not living a life that's meaningful, significant, right? That I'm stuck in the temporary. um, When they, when their eyes are open to that reality, we need to celebrate that, that there's a new life in Christ. There's a new creature in Christ, uh, and so that, if that's never been done for you, if you've never made that transition, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I think that's to me, right? Step one of the game plan uh, is making sure you're on the right team. right? that's that's step one. And then Parker, those eight steps are fantastic, wonderful, and need to be just you know laid out, done, uh, put together, and then practiced and 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 done right every every year. I, I think you know that's the concept is um, yearly self-assessments right, to walk through those things and kind of look where you are and having uh, people to speak truth into your life to help you evaluate that is a super important aspect of of your growing and developing and kind of into the man that you uh, want to be, right, the victor that we all want to be. So guys, appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, carving out a little bit of your time to talk about what it means to be a winner.
0: Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training4manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.